Good morning. Welcome to Laurel Heights. I want to begin by reading three passages that will introduce the topic. And I want to provide sufficient time for you to open your Bible to these passages. You see them on the screen. First, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. From the book of Hebrews, this was written to Christians of Jewish background who were being tempted to leave Christ. And here's how the writer begins in verses 1 and 2 of Hebrews 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. That's Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. Please be ready next in 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. In our Bible classes, we have recently completed the study of 1 and 2 Timothy. We're now in Titus. When you look at Timothy, consider it to be from God through Paul to Timothy and for our benefit. Timothy was younger than Paul and was engaged in the work of the Lord in Ephesus and other places. And there came a time in the second letter Paul wrote to Timothy, he penned these words, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Timothy was in Ephesus. I want you to turn now to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The Ephesian letter. In this letter, Paul sent to the church at Ephesus. I want you to listen to verses 1 through 4 of chapter 3. Ephesians 3, 1 through 4. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you may perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Here's where we are headed. If God has spoken through His Son, Hebrews 1, if inspired Scripture is sufficient and is our conviction, 
2 Timothy 3. If when we read we are able to understand Ephesians chapter 4, there is no argument to be made by any Christian against daily Bible reading. In fact, these passages express the affirmative case that we should be reading God's Word on a regular basis. And what I'm talking about here this morning is personal reading of Scripture, not just opening your Bible at the building, personal Bible reading. Why not be committed to that discipline? Daily Bible reading. We have emphasized the value of this over many years here at Laurel Heights. Here's what is true today. Thousands of voices are trying to tell you how to think and how to feel. News organizations, social media, printed material, public events, conversations, people you're associated with, thousands of voices are seeking to tell you how to think and how to feel about things that happen. How to respond, how to act, where to put your time and attention, how to spend your money, what to support, what to oppose. There is in our world a shrill and out-of-tune symphony wanting us to listen and applaud and sign up for a worldview that is trending and changing and popular. And we can be certain the massive mainstream of these voices in the world is not the voice of God. To get in touch with, to listen to the voice of God, what did Paul say in that final passage we read in Ephesians 3? He said, when you read, you can understand. Personal Bible reading. Why not be committed to that discipline? All right. If there are no arguments against daily Bible reading, this leads to this question. You knew this was coming. Are you doing this? Are you engaged in daily Bible reading? We know what we have in this book. Are we reading what God has given to us in this book? If God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, am I reading and am I living in that light? You know what? If you dig down deep to the root causes of evil in our society and the confusion that is in modern religion, you will find biblical illiteracy. There are children who've never heard the stories of the Old Testament. There are parents who actually are training their children to reject Bible truth or at least ignore it. 
There are preachers in the religious world who don't preach from the Bible, or if they do, it is twisted to favor something other than the true meaning. There are people who've been baptized and who attend sound churches, but only open their Bibles on Sunday. There are churches dying because the Bible isn't being read, isn't being taught, and isn't being followed. Are you committed to the discipline of daily Bible reading? This morning I'm going to offer four reasons why this is so important for me and for you. Why should I read my Bible every day? Number one, to know who made you. To know who made you. The Apostle Paul, I'm going to be in Acts chapter 17. The Apostle Paul came to ancient Athens, a place very much like our society because there were so many voices telling people what to believe and how to feel. Philosophers representing all sorts of discordant worldviews. Athens was a place where idols were on every corner. People came together just to hear men babble on, often without any effort to verify what was being advocated. So Paul came to this place, but he wasn't there <coughs> to just peddle another philosophy or worldview. He wanted them to know their creator. So I'm going to read some of this in Acts chapter 17, beginning at verse 24. Here's Paul's message in Athens. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. You know where Paul was in this speech? He was taking people back to the truth that we read in Genesis chapter 1. For instance, in Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now, you may, you may be tempted to think and to say, I know that. 
But this is not like a historical fact that you read once and you remember, but you never really personally revisit it and let it become a part of you. When there are thousands of voices seeking an entrance into my mind and into my life and into my family in denial of creation truth, I need to not only remember my Creator, I need to know Him personally. And I know Him through my contact with His Word accompanied by my response. When Solomon wrote about life on earth, he made this observation. You've heard it many times. Solomon said, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Solomon did not say, remember your creator when you read Genesis 1 and remember it when you're a teenager and then forget it. Remember your creator the rest of your life. I'm telling you that daily Bible reading brings into your mind those precious truths about God as a creator that needs to be with us the rest of our lives. And that brings me to this. Daily Bible reading <coughs> reminds us of why he made you. I'm going to take you to Romans 8. I want you to turn to Romans 8. I'm going to read a lengthy passage, but it bears directly on why daily Bible reading ought to be a part of your life. Romans chapter 8. I'll, I'll introduce it this way. The Creator didn't have to make us. He was under no obligation. If God had never made us, He would still be God. But he made us, and he made us in his image, his likeness. We are not like trees and rocks and sand. He made us in his image. It wasn't that he was bored and lonely and he needed something to do. There was significance in what he did when he made us. Now, why did he make us? And a simple answer might be that we might love him as he loves us, and then love each other. And that would be absolutely correct. What a different place this world would be if everyone loved God as God loves us, and then loved each other. But we're going to dig a little deeper in Romans chapter 8. And I want you to notice first about this passage that begins with verse 18 and goes to the end of the chapter. I want you to notice that it's about creation. He writes about the creation in verse 20. He mentions creation in verse 22, 23, and verse 39. What's he saying here? We can expect, therefore, there will be reference in this passage to why God made us. The ultimate intention that was in the mind of God when He made us. I want you to listen for it. And I'll probably be emphasizing it. In Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read 18 to 39. A long passage, but it will do us good. 
For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love 
of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you hear it? We were made, verse 29, to be conformed to the image of His Son. As obedient believers, we were made to be more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Verse 39, nothing in all creation can separate obedient believers from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Daily Bible reading takes you to these places. God made us for His purpose that we might be conformed to the image of His Son. Number three, daily Bible reading ought to be done to know where you stand. Here's what I'm talking about. Are there quiet times in your life when the question comes up, perhaps unspoken, where do I really stand with God? What is my status? How does God see me? Well, first, if there were no cross of Christ, the answer to that would be miserable. But there is the historical truth of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ who ascended to the right hand of God. When I respond to that truth based on faith confessed, sin abandoned, and obedience in baptism chosen, I'm saved by grace and put in position to be a servant of God. But the nagging question may occur to us. Where do I stand? How does God see me now? Have you opened to James chapter 1? So what if we had a mirror and we could look into that mirror and see where we stand with God? Has God provided such a mirror? You be the judge. James 1, 22 beginning. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Either I am blessed or I'm not. When I read the Bible every day, it's a valuable opportunity to see where I stand with God. What have I left undone? What are my weaknesses that, that may be hidden to others but clear to God? Where, where do I need more diligence and discipline in my conduct as a Christian? This is another reason to be engaged in daily Bible reading. Number four. What is your present 
duty. That's what it all, what do I need to do now? That's where we are. It's one thing and it's a good thing to know who made you, why you were made, where you stand with God. But each and every day you have to get out of bed and reflect on what you need to do today. What is my present duty? Do you know there's a little word all through the New Testament that has a cousin? There's a little word in the New Testament, easy to ignore because of its size, a little word in the New Testament that has a cousin. And the word is now. And the cousin is today. The word now should take us away from the bad habit of procrastination. The word now is about duty today. For instance, in Hebrews chapter 3, quoting from the Old Testament, the writer wants to stir up a sense of urgency about responding to God. And in verse 7, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear His voice. And again in Hebrews 3.15, today, if you will hear his voice. Daily Bible reading confronts us with the sense of urgency and immediacy that we need every single day. In Galatians chapter 2 and in verse 20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ... It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And do you recall what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, the last sentence? The whole duty of man, fear God and keep his commandments. Well, I'll conclude here, but I think you know I could go on and on with reasons why we need to be people who stay closely, intimately, regularly connected to the Word of the living God. The beginning of the year is a good time to start, and I know many of you have been engaged in daily Bible reading over many years. If I can help you get started, please let me know. There are many good plans of daily Bible reading. Darrell reminds us of daily Bible reading with those videos that you get and when he stands before us. I tell you, it is an essential part of the pathway forward for us. As individuals, as families, and as a local church. Paul said, when you read, you may understand. Well, if you understand the gospel of Christ and your heart is now directed toward obedience, repentance, baptism, responding to God, we give you this opportunity while we stand together to sing.